Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about The Lost Daughter, mm. uh, written and directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, the first uh, feature film she's directed. I think mm. she's directed a short before and she's produced a couple of films. This is her directorial debut uh, as a feature and it's based on the novel of the same name by Elena Ferrante, yes. uh, an Italian novelist who does not have that real name. She's pseudonymous. Uh, she's very well known apparently for the Neapolitan novels. Of series of four books of which this is not one. Mm-hmm. This is, I, I found this film so fascinating. It's a film about motherhood. Yes. First and foremost, Olivia Coleman plays Leda Caruso, who is middle aged. She's forty eight years old. She's on holiday on an island off Greece, and a family who's a, she's a teacher. She, it's a working holiday. You see her working and reading and so on on the beach, and a family of Greek Americans shows up. It's a big family. Um, there are young mothers there with young daughters, and these just seeing this takes her back to her own young motherhood mm. when she was raising two daughters, mm. almost on her own. She had a husband, but he wasn't all that interested. This is obviously dramatised. Um, so Olivia Coleman plays later today, and Jessie Buckley plays her as a young mother in flashbacks. Yes, I I I was really surprised, but I loved this. I thought it was great. How about you? I thought it was great <laughs> yesterday. Right. Until I saw The Power of the Dog today. <laughs> and you yeah. were reminded what a great film really and is. And I was reminded what a great film really is. Well, still, take them on its own merits. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I I, think it's an extraordinary achievement, actually, and very surprising uh, from Maggie Gyllenhaal. I, I love the beginning. I think I think it's a very cinematic movie, yeah? And you say that in quotes. I say that in quotes. You know, from the very beginning, with her dressed in white on the beach... And, you know, the kind of the blurriness, the going in and out of focus, those extreme close-ups, right? You know, it's a film that deals with the image that brings in, like, uh, these extraordinary tensions. I felt tense whilst watching it. Um, It made me feel sorry that I didn't watch it on a big screen Mm -hmm. because I think it's a film that would be even more absorbing if you are absorbed yeah, sure. In that image, uh, uh, and I thought it's a very. It reminded me again of how rare it is to in cinema to see a woman's point of view. I mean, there were certain mm. certain scenes where you know she walks into a bar, and all of a sudden you sense danger. Yeah, the, you know. Mm. So it's not just a woman entering a bar from a man's point of view where he, he probably wouldn't notice her because she's too old, or yeah. For a woman, it's like, yeah, you're walking alone, the place is full of danger. And I don't quite know how Maggie Gyllenhaal conveys that, but you really feel it. Right? The main strength of the film for me is what you say about it, showing a point of view, a life that you don't normally see represented mm-hmm. on screen. I think a huge part of that is Olivia Colman. Oh, she's wonderful. Who, this might sound uncharitable to her, but what I love about her is her age and ordinariness mm. and how she, she seems to symbolise that. She's unafraid to appear her age hmm. and and it's actually it feels empowering to see her. Yes. Just sat on the beach where she's doing and I, I love the scene where she's um shouting at the kids in the cinema and she's completely on her own and no one else is listening to her and they're causing a ruckus and everything. And she's trying to get her point across and she bursts in anger and she and she again ultimately she can't um get anyone to pay much attention. And uh, eventually the, the the dad of that 
um, Greek American family I mentioned mm. pipes up and shuts them up. It's the way in which she's clearly made her feel so small, mm. you know, that that these kids don't have to listen to her. Yes. Um, and they don't have any respect. And I felt it so viscerally. And actually, her performance really reminded me... It reminded me of basically everything she's done, because I think she kind of conveys this a lot. Um, it reminded me of a, of a TV series she was in, like, 20, probably 15 years ago, called Green Wing, which was a sitcom on Channel 4, mm. which was set in a hospital, and it was really wacky and wild, and all sorts of crazy things happened in it. And she was, she had this feeling of normality to her. Her, her character like worked in the office, and she was constantly pregnant, and she was very put upon. And was, I seem to recall there was talk about her husband, who, you know, basically ended up putting more pressure on her because she ended up having to do all the work and so on and so forth. Just something you see when she's young in here. And I always remember feeling um, that I, she was a character I wanted things to go really well for in that sitcom. I didn't mind about the other characters because they were living these wacky lives. And she was this this capsule of normality and and and, and kind of pressure. She's also and got trying this... to keep a brave face on things too, which is less, that's something you see a less of here. She's happier to be at odds with people. Disruptive, yeah. yeah. She's not afraid to be unpopular. But also she's got this warmth, mm-hmm. yeah, which is why, why sometimes her ordinariness, yeah, is maybe rendered acceptable in a way that might not be... Yeah, with another actress playing the role. Uh, because some of the things that she does are really quite unacceptable. Yeah, like, you know, so for example, the whole thing revolves around the doll. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, a girl is lost and the Olivia Coleman character finds her. Right. But then the girl was with a doll and the doll can be found. And, you know, the child is distraught and screaming and crying and not sleeping. And the whole family is in a tiz and they're all looking for the doll. You know, at a certain point, they've got, like, posters and a reward for the doll on every tree that you can see. Yeah. And still, she won't return it. Yeah, it's revealed that she's taken it. Yeah. So she doesn't mind everybody else being stressed, Mm. strung out. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, a horrible person. Really, <laughs> yeah, right. Except that the film then makes you understand why that is the case. She sees herself in that concatenation of it. She sees this woman on the beach, playing with her daughter, who in turn is playing with the doll. Yeah. So you know the child is mothering the doll. The mother is mothering the child. Yeah. And there's this link, and of course it kind of brings up her own lack, right? Mm-hmm. And so her stealing the doll is a way of her living out her lack of maternal feeling towards her own daughters. It's also, in a more concrete sense, a reminder of her own doll, which we see in flashback. Yes. She gives to one of her daughters, and her daughter ruins it. Yes. And this meant a lot to her. It was my mother's doll, I think she says. So it's a reminder of that, too. And you do, by the end of the film, certainly feel the weight of guilt that, that she feels for... I suppose it's just the way she's let on. The thing, the thing that um, I think is really exceptional about the film is that it makes a very brave statement, which is to say that motherhood is not for everybody. And that's unacceptable, basically, to hear, I think, in, in kind it of polite society. Like, no one expects me to have kids and get married. It's not a question that I'm asked, but women my age and much younger get asked that all the time. It's the expectation on them that that's, you know, and then if they get to the age of 48 or whatever it might be, and they haven't had that, then they're a failure. What's happened to them? What went wrong? And this is a film that is brave enough to say that it's it's not, when you see her when she's young, 
I think it's maybe a little oversimplified in what you see. Some of it is actually just a little too symbolic even. Because basically every time she's mothering her daughters, she's having a very bad time doing so. She's very stressed. And the only time you see her happy is when she gets that call from the professor saying, we're going to this conference. She's an yeah. academic and she's studying. That brings her untold joy. Yeah. And then this thing about getting away from her kids for three years was heaven, she says. Um, which she doesn't use the word heaven, but yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Um she overturns so the expectations. I mean, I was watching a television program with, um, uh, God, um, Brooke Shields. Oh, yeah. And, you know, she very famously wrote a book about suffering from depression at the birth of her daughters. I didn't know that. Yes. It was very famous because, uh, you know, she went on a talk show and she talked about it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, she had written a book on it. And Tom Cruise, you know, called in and said... You know, it's terrible. You shouldn't do what Brooke Shields says. And, you know, and then everybody's saying, well, what the fuck does Tom Cruise know about motherhood, right? Like, <laughs> and childbirth and depression, right? <laughs> so it really, like, overturned on him. It was, you know, yeah. aside from jumping on the sofa with Oprah, that was, like, his other big gaffe, right? Um, because what she was saying was, you know, some of what the film's about, right? That motherhood is so expected to be a moment of joy and you're expected to love your children, and to feel fantastic, and, you know, so she kept going to her doctor saying, I'm depressed, uh, and the doctor was saying, oh, well, you know, this will pass, it's just as soon as your body replenishes, right, and then after, like, a period where her body had replenished, and she just had no feelings for the child, and, yeah, mm. and all of it, she just, yeah, she thought there's something wrong. So, and that was just, like, that, you know, postpartum depression. This is uh, someone who... Uh, wants to have a career more than she wants to have children, though unfortunately she's had the children already. Yeah. but right. she, And she lacks, at least she feels, she lacks that instinct, that that mothering instinct. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I do think that if you haven't had kids or if you have young kids, it might be terrifying to see this. On the other, on the other hand, if it's something that you've been through, I think it would make you feel less alone, probably. Just because yeah. I think it's it's saying something that is kind of unsayable. Yes, it's it's unsayable. Like it's honestly, honestly yes. felt. And then people get surprised when parents kill their children. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes as a shock, and it happens very regularly, mm. right? So actually, I think the film is important because it's one of those secret things, or you know, one of those things that you're not allowed to mention. You know, which is not only that not everyone is cut up to be a parent, which it is mentioned. But also that some parents might not love their children or might feel no connection with them, mm. right? It's it's almost meant to be so innate, so organic, so instinctual, so, you know, that, yeah. But, you know, kind of obviously uh, uh, many people don't necessarily feel that way. Uh, and this is a film that dramatizes both uh, that decision and the, and the cost of it, I think. Mm. Um, I want to think about the close-up a little bit because you mentioned extreme close-ups. The film is full of them, particularly on Olivia Colman, and I. It's such a great strategy because Olivia Colman is so capable of handling so for one thing, um, but the film is constantly looking for her reactions and her responses to things. It's all about her specifically, and the focusing on the face and looking for the moments where she cracks or something like that, mm. is 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 what the film is all about. We're totally just getting into her headspace. Even if sometimes it feels a little little opaque because there is that thing about the doll and it's so up for up for debate as to why exactly she's doing that. She doesn't even really seem to know. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, but there's a moment where she says, I'm very selfish. 
And actually, a lot of the film is demonstrating that, in fact, she is, right? Um, she doesn't seem to be an unkind person, right? But also, you know, she she wants what she wants. And, you know, th- when you see the family asking her if she could move her chair, and she says no, right? And you think, well, why should she? She was there first, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so why should she make herself uncomfortable so, you know, that a bigger family can have more space, you know? But you can see that it's a difficulty, right? And, the, you know, the moment where Ed Harris sits with her when she's having dinner, mm. right? It's almost like you see all the transformations in her face. Yeah, like, I don't want to be rude, but I want to be on my own. And how long are you going to keep talking <laughs> to me? Right, yeah. like, you feel it all without her necessarily saying anything, right? Uh, and that applies in the scene with the, with the young men in the cinema. There, mm. there are these moments where... She regrets having to be difficult. You get the sense. I, I get the sense anyway. Mm. But she's not moving. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. uh, 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 uh. So I thought that was kind of very... Uh, uh, a fascinating performance, actually. And I think what I really loved about the film is that it showed uh, the joy in intellectual achievement, the desire for it, you know, the being like totally wrapped up in this and that and that, that was sufficient for her. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that her daughters are just a drain and she doesn't know how to deal with them. Yeah, and she's constantly tired and, you know, and kind of what matters to her is is is, is something else, yeah, mm. which in this case is her work, yeah. Although it is also a through line that she's not entirely happy. She does feel the relationship or lack of relationship with her daughters for the last 25 years as a form of loss. Sure. I think. And, she, and there's this thing about her fainting when it gets too real for her, when she's reminded of it too heavily. Um, you know, she stumbles and she faints and then ultimately that happens on the beach in the scene we see at the start that it's given context at the end and eventually tries, you know, goes to get in contact with the daughters. And and in, a, in some senses it feels like it maybe is a sop um, to say, well, that's ultimately what she really needs. On the other hand, I was quite happy when she's making that phone call at the end and the daughter seemed, you don't hear them, I don't think, but just from her reaction, clearly they're happy to hear, hear from her, her, right? That's nice. Yes, that is nice. But on the other hand, she's very explicit that the three years after leaving her daughter were the happiest of her life. Mm. You know, um, so, yeah. Even though the Dakota Johnson character says, well, the way you've described it doesn't sound, because she describes it as an explosion, exploding and she says that doesn't sound nice at all <laughs> yes well but that's that's you get a sense also that it's not just that she left it's all the um the social repercussions of her leaving mm. so you know then when she visits her daughter who was taking care of him, her mother so presumably then she didn't have a relationship with her own mother right well there's this thing about the mother this is something i actually thought was an illusion from the film where in the flashback it's jesse buckley moment she responds badly to the mention of the kids being with her mum and saying um, that I came from shit, a black shithole, wherever it was, like in Leeds or whatever. Mm. But it's it's something that is just hinted at there, really. And you're not given more context as to, well, what, what, what it, was it the relationship with the mother? Was it the relationship with the place? Where did she come from? Feels like, that's where I'd say it's maybe going too symbolic and too simplified with those flashbacks where it's it's it's... 
it's condensing so heavily that actually it's just giving you the symbol of something that could be more fleshed out. I don't know. There were certain things in the film that it made me think of. So, you know, one of the things is class, right? She's a university professor, and all her interactions are with people who are coded as being rich but criminal, Mm -hmm. or staff of various kinds. That's the only people you see in the film. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that family, which all seem rich, but, but, but also lower class slash criminal. Yeah. I mean, actually, I thought uh, um, Dakota Johnson's, I think maybe our first view of her, you know, she's so clearly coded as trash. Mm. Yeah. She's got the tattoos. She's got the ankle bracelet. She's got the little thin bracelet or a strand of gold around her belly. Right, mm. yeah, I think she might even have a nose ring. I think she does. Yeah. I didn't uh, pick up on everything of it, but it's the coding is there. Yeah, so it's like this kind of low-class, hypersexual trash, trashy mm. woman. Yeah, who nonetheless seems to be a very good mother, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the whole family is really presented as kind of, I think the waiter says, you don't want to mess with them, they're dangerous, right? They, yeah, so they're obviously kind of criminal mm. Yeah, a kind of a criminal clan. So, you know, she is the middle class professor. Uh, she is coded as being of a different class than everyone around her. And she plays on it. You know, the, the, the waiter from Dublin, who I think her interest is more than just, you know, it has a sexual dimension from her part. Mm. Um, though, you know, it's handled very loosely and elegantly, but, you know, you get a sense that there's a sexual thing there. With the Ed Harris character, it's a sexual thing that she's trying to initially at least push off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then actually, I, th- I, I, I was just fascinated by the way that this, this, by the overhanging threat that she experiences all the time. You know, every time she's walking through those trees, you get a sense that someone's following her. Yeah, when the pine cone falls, you think someone's thrown something at her. The way that people look at her when she's dancing... Yeah, it's kind of, you know, she's on display uh, and she's either, you know, threatened. Yeah, or, or there's something threatening about those looks. Uh, uh, I, I thought that was like really great in the film. Right. The whole film is about mothering, isn't it? Or decisions, you know, that are made. And in this one, quite a radical one, which why it's a radical one, again, is so interesting. There's that whole conversation or the counterpoint that the film makes quite pointedly of, you know, the visitors from England, right? Where, you know, the guy says, oh, I have three children. Oh, yes, where are they? Oh, well, they're with their mother in London, right? Mm. I, you know, men leave their children all the time. Yeah. You know, whereas to do the opposite is this enormous transgression that ruins people's lives, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so... So, so the film is, is quite, quite pointed in that. Uh, though obviously, she experiences as a loss. But what does she experience as a loss is the leaving of the children. I don't think so. I mean, what she experiences as a loss is the aftermath of all of that, right? I Having had no contact whatsoever with the children. Yeah, uh, mm. the children being with her mother and her ex, right? Like, you know, the conjunction of those two things alone speak... A danger. So it's the way that society responds to that 
state, which is so common, yes, divorced men leave their children. The opposite is not true, but kind of men don't have those repercussions. Like, mm. you know, men see their children, you know, and even if after they've left them, they're allowed to, right? Yeah, whereas it seems that the sanctions on her were much, much heavier. Mm. Yeah. And you do get the sense that that's not her decision. Yeah. Mm. I'm really glad I saw it. It was a bit more difficult to watch than I expected. Yeah. I paused it a few times. Yeah. What do you mean difficult? Well, I found it both emotionally difficult, but I also thought it's not the kind of film that lends itself well to streaming. Maybe not. But I, I sat through it in one go. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, in my room, my TV is basically a cinema screen. Okay, (laughs) mine isn't. Uh, It's large, but it's not a cinema screen. And I would have liked to have been enveloped, you know, by those uh, images and those faces. I do think it. As much as I liked it, it does feel like it could be a little richer or a little fuller, and maybe that's something that would keep your attention better. there is an attempt to use kind of montage points or or just or slowness um, with kind of a lack of dialogue and observing mm. Olivia Colman um, just on the beach observing things herself that I can see being a little patience testing. Um, yes, I mean, I feel I like it could be fuller. I know what you mean and I agree with it, though I think there were some things that were wonderful, you know, the way the sound was used to bridge the past and present, or to lead you into the past. Yeah, sometimes a sentence would begin, yeah. Uh, I didn't notice that. Yes, it's very, very clever. Um, you know, the way that the flashbacks were not signaled at all, you know, except maybe sometimes through those bridgings. For me, the central lack in the film, which the film should have answered, and which you can an- answer intellectually, but I don't find it satisfying emotionally, was the stealing of the doll. And actually, that's central to the whole film. And for me, it kind of fails. You know, I you, want... You don't feel any resolution to it. Well, I wanted to understand better, mm. you know, why this woman, who does seem a decent person, and actually whose whole decisions are based on logic, mm. right? Why she would put other people through so much pain. Mm. Yeah? I think the film had to give us more about her state of mind or the rationale for her actions or something. And just... You know, the the reminder of her daughters and her own doll, you know, and mothering in the abstract to me was not sufficient mm. to understand why this particular woman would make all this, these people, they, you know, everybody was searching for that doll, yeah. right? And the film kept telling, you know, the child is still not well, the child is still very stressed, the yeah. child is traumatized. How you, you know, what kind of a person is willing to traumatize a child and all these people, you know, <laughs> Unless she has a reason. I think the film doesn't offer me an emotionally rich enough explanation for that. It's just yeah. to say, oh, I don't know. Well, actually, the, the film does know because it's giving you all these clues. It's telling you about the association with her own daughter, her own mother, her own doll, the destruction of her doll, you know, the connection between mother, daughter, doll, mm. right? So it has, like, uh, these answers, but it's not conveying them in an emotionally satisfying way. No, well, the film is is... Olivia Colman's character is a woman who has experienced trauma and is experiencing trauma, and that's what her mental state and these flashbacks are about. Uh, she can't she can't keep this these memories from 
from entering her presence. Yeah. And she keeps fainting and stumbling because mm. of them, having a physical effect on her. And I think that's kind of where the film wants wants you to tie everything together. The reason that she takes this doll, as you say, it gives you all these clues and all this past knowledge about her previous doll and her kids and everything. But it, I think it wants to make her instinctive trauma that it brings up the reason for taking the doll. Well, I, and it's not it's not rich enough. Yeah, it's I think the film, the film needed this moment where you show that she's got an awareness that she's causing all this pain on other people, but that she needs it for, she needs the doll for her own survival or something that, yeah, yeah, something that, yeah, that her very survival depends on. And you don't get that moment. Well, the thing is that trauma is something that there are coping mechanisms for. It's a whole, you know, people go to psychologists and everything, sort of psychiatrists um, for it. And to use it in such a simplistic way as the trauma is the reason for taking the doll and there's just this kind of generalised trauma that we're going to give clues to and so on, but not really feel like it digs into is a little disappointing. It's, little, it's, a, little, it's a little pat, maybe. The last thing that I wanted to ask you about was the hat pin sequence. Where she gets stabbed or where she gives her the hat pin. Where she gets stabbed. Well, I, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I expected more from it because it seems like someone getting accidentally stabbed um, should be quite a big moment. And you think, well, no, noticing that one has been stabbed tends to be a kind of revelation that one is going to die in a film. Yes. And of course, it's not here. Yes. Um, it's it's uh, a minor inconvenience. It's a but it feels like she's got her comeuppance a little bit. Yes, it's an accident. I mean, you know, clearly the Dakota Johnson does not mean her character does not mean to do that. Oh, I didn't um, get that. I thought she did. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was an accident. She was a, no. I thought it was she was furious. You know how could you do that to us? You know, and then like, yeah. Ah. Uh, or maybe I I didn't read that. You could be right. Yeah. Well, well that's nasty. If so. I well I thought it was like vengeful, really. So here is like this good mother, but who's a murderer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or a potential murderer. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the bad mother, uh, yeah, who, who becomes kind of victimized by that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm going to have a quick look for that scene. Let's have a, have, oops, the lost daughter. Let's just have a big burst, big breasts. Big breasts. <laughs> Reading that, that's very deliberate. Eye for an eye, and all that. Yeah. So you see, and 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 what Olivia Coleman says is, "I'm an unnatural mother," right? And then the natural mother ends up being like quasi murderous. Mm. I thought that was an interesting way to end the film. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I like that line. I'm an unnatural mother. It's um, I'm an unnatural mother. I know that's what I said, oh. but I slurred it like I'm a punch drunk stroke victim. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that line just because I think it's the character. Well, the character's not really knowing what to say. I don't think it's. I don't think it's meaningful. It's 
the character is looking for words, looking for a way to try and explain what she's done and she can't, mm. and feels like the line is aiming at a significance. I can't. Fight. I'm an unnatural mother. I mean, unnatural just because I, I didn't grasp onto it until until your family reminded me of. Also, I thought the scene was poorly written. You know that the struggling for words. You should have had more sense of what her own struggle was. Both, you know, the struggle that she went through and the struggle to say it. And also to not say it, right? Because obviously, yeah, she's not going to give her whole life story there. But I thought that scene needed something else yeah. from Olivia Coleman. Yeah, Olivia Coleman, please. Miss, Mrs. Coleman. Dame Olivia Coleman, soon enough, I'm sure. Because okay. of the Oscar. Well, she deserves it. She was absolutely brilliant in this. She's been brilliant for ages. And it's so great that people have started... Like, she's... I mean, I never watched Peep Show. And that was, she was a big part of that, I think. And I never got into it. But just every time I've ever seen her on TV, basically, she's been captivating. Mm. And it's so great to see her translate into, into movies so mm. successfully. I yes. love her to bits. Yes, I do also. Um, ostensibly, there's a program on... Uh, now TV about yeah oh okay, what is it um, it's a four or five part thing isn't it yeah hold on about these Gary Cooper fans who commit murder to to enhance their memorabilia <laughs> which is very me <laughs> we should see it uh, I'm not going to watch it with you <laughs> <laughs> uh, landscapers four episodes yes true crime thing the other thing I'm reminded of looking here is the night manager. She had such an interesting presence in that. Oh, yeah. Because she's wonderful. such an ordinary person again, but she's in charge of this operation. Yeah, she was wonderful. Fantastic. Kind of, I love that. Um, that's she, a very Judy Dench M type of yeah, role, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, I highly recommend The Lost Daughter. I think it's in a really impressive uh, first feature uh, from Maggie Gyllenhaal. It's not a great film, yeah, but I think it's a really promising film. Uh, and it's a film that gives you a lot to think about. Uh, so uh, yeah. I would recommend it. It's really seriously likeable. Yeah. And and one of the things that there is to like about it is the size of the statements that it makes. Yes. And also Olivia Colman's really extraordinary performance. I mean, you, you say she's always good. But I think this is incredible because she's charming, charismatic. And mean and nasty and selfish, right? Like, you know, yeah. And she makes you understand all of the moves. She's transparent. She's got a face that's transparent. You know, it's also feeling very warm. It's, it's somebody, she brings you in to this person. Her charm and warmth bring you into this person who, in fact, ends up being, you know, quite selfish and mean and mm. so on. Yeah, she makes you understand all the moves apart from that key one. Yes, <laughs> which is not her fault. I think that's underwritten. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter at Eavesdrop Movies and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.